once again at the crossroads, the Article 7 podcast. Well, hello and welcome. Yes, once again, this is Pastor Andy Jago, roving reporter, I guess, <laughs> out here on the street. Um, and uh, so I'm on my way to Bethany Lutheran Church, located at 2501 Beacon Hill Road in Alexandria, Virginia, 22306. And uh, as I'm on my way there, I woke up this morning and I said, wow, I forgot completely to record this podcast, which I meant to do last night. So I said, well, let's kill two birds with one stone. Do it while we get a little exercise here. So um, so upcoming in these podcasts, uh, there's going to be two back-to-back that we're recording right now, and uh, uh, it's not going to be a whole lot in our feature section. Actually, there isn't going to be a feature section. It's just going to be uh, me saying a little something here in the introduction, and then we go right into our music. Uh, and then sermon, and then a little more music at the end. Uh, and that's going to be the format for these two. A little traffic going by. All right, and uh, there's a big fire truck. So the thing that we want to share in this podcast uh, is uh, the Pony Express. Uh, We've been hearing about that in church the last few Sundays, and it's finally launched, left the gate, ponies are out, and uh, that means church members are going out with these brown satchels, and they're going to be coming to your home with one of these satchels, and on the one side is a commitment card, which you take out, and on the other side... You put the, once you fill out the commitment card, you put it in the other envelope, and uh, then you pass the satchel on to the next house. And that's the Pony Express. Now, commitment card, why do we, what, what is that? That's just a common sense budgeting thing that we do. Uh, you know, the, it's a family budget thing where if you are going to be spending money, you got to know what kind of money's coming in, at least get a, a rough estimate of that. So that's what the commitment card helps us to do at Bethany Lutheran, and we want to. Uh, we've been fine-tuning that process, and I uh, think that it's, it's come a long way since we started this. So uh, we're asking for everyone's cooperation and help on that. Now, it's, is it, are you obligated to do that? No, absolutely not. Uh, it's just something that helps us. But we hope that people do take the time to pray about their commitment to the Lord and make this a spiritual exercise as well. What's more, <laughs> this Pony Express that we do, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> you get to uh, go around your neighborhood uh, and uh, you find out who your neighbors are. You, know, you go, hey, I didn't know you lived close by. Okay, you know, it's a little fellowship and a little fun that happens as a result of this uh, campaign. So be looking for that. There's some more details about that on our website, uh, Bethany. that is B-E-T-H-A-N-Y-L-C-M-S.org, and you'll see all kinds of updated information every day there now as we get into Holy Week and all the things that are going on here at Bethany Lutheran Church. So, all right, coming up, 
next thing you'll hear is uh, me talking a little bit about the music for this podcast. And then you'll see here the third sermon in At the Crossroads, A Journey of Faith Through the Gospel of Mark. So stay tuned. As promised, uh, we have our musical uh, interludes here They're from the Choral Evensong service, recorded from that service. We Lutherans once a year do a service in the Anglican tradition, thanks to our music director, uh, Linda Hemphill. Uh, this is a service that is led by the choirs of Bethany and Hembell choirs as well, and is uh, uh, a musical meditation the week before Holy Week, so that we get uh, some of the Lord's Word prayed into our hearts uh, musically uh, before we enter into this most important week. So the first thing that uh, we heard that evening was a handbell voluntary. His voice is The Sound of Dulcimer Suite by Wilberg, and this is uh, adapted by Megan Banson, uh, one of our former members of Bethany, and she uh, does these kinds of original handbell arrangements quite often. And I was pleased to be informed that uh, we at Bethany were responsible for the worldwide debut of this particular piece. Uh, and that will be performed by the Bethany Bells. Next, you'll he- uh, at the end of the sermon, you'll hear the Hosanna Choir singing Peace I Give to You by Larkin. So let's get into the first piece and then the sermon, and then you'll hear the second piece after that.
today, I'm going to have you go either to your uh, insert uh, for the sermon today. We're going to be still walking with Mark and with the Gospel of Mark as we approach the cross. We're taking Mark's approach to the cross at the end of his Gospel. And in doing so, relating, uh, sometimes he brings out two things that seem opposite, putting them together at the cross in a series we call Crossroads. So today we're going to undertake what seems, I think, on the surface to be some complicated teachings, some layered teachings of Jesus. However, I think as we unpack them, as we look at them, we're going to find underneath a very simple gospel message, a very simple gospel message that ties it all in together. Let's see if we can find that here as the first and the last meet on the crossroads. We're going to start Mark chapter 10, verse 17, and again, your bulletin insert, or if you prefer to look in your Bible or the Pew Bible, if it's the Pew Bible, page 846, page 846, Mark chapter 10, verse 17, and beginning there, and as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do? to inherit eternal life. And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. So let's pause here. Jesus' statement is very odd to those of us who know that he is both good and God, right? But I think that this means that he knew. Now, this young man may not have known that as he's approaching Jesus, kneeling down before him. Jesus, looking at this man, knows all about him and knows exactly how to approach. He begins with what we call the second table of the law, And these are the commandments that have to do with love your neighbor as yourself. As opposed to what we call the first table, God only, no taking his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day, that's keeping God first in your life. The other part is, so those commandments directed up toward God, these commandments directed toward one another, you put them two together, you have a cross. Have you heard that before? I hope so. That's kind of common among us preachers and teachers to, to teach the law that way. But as, you, as, as Jesus approaches this young man, it is with the law, because why? As we find out next, this young man, no one is good except God alone. Well, this young man thinks that he's pretty good, though. He said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. Look at these three verbs all right in a row. Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, You lack one thing. Sell all that you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Sounds like a pep talk, but disheartened by the saying, the man went away sorrowful, for he had many, he had great possessions. We heard it in the testimony earlier. What is your sense of security? Where is your trust? Where do you place your trust? This young man kept all the commandments, he thought, that had to do with loving your neighbor. What about the first commandment? 
He will have no other God before him. Did this man love his possessions that much that it was a small g God? He put his trust there before he put his trust here. It's possible. Yeah, this, uh, this season of Lent, you know, the young man couldn't, couldn't do without it. He had something he couldn't do without it. This season of Lent gives us a little bit, a little taste, if you will. Is there something in your life that you treasure, that you put your trust in? Can you do without it for just a little time? And we, we make jokes about it and so forth, but it's a discipline that's there for that reason. If we just put away, you know, chocolate, beer, whatever, you just do that for a little bit. Just that one little thing. And it becomes a little hard, you know, especially now in the middle of Lent. You start to feel it a little bit. It's a craving, whatever it is that you put away. If we, can't, if we just get that, that much for just that one little bit, imagine Jesus telling us, give it all away. Just give it up. That would be something. Do I believe that Jesus is asking us to do that today? There are Christians that believe that. When we were in Colorado last summer, we had uh, coffee at a coffee shop, and I was reading through their literature, and it was a, a group that, didn't, that believed you should never own property. It was sinful to own property. You had to share everything in common. That was the basis of what they did. Presumably, well, they had good coffee, though, I will say. <laughs> So should we do that too? Is that what Jesus means? Or is this something that's directed right at that young man and his situation at that time? I think it is the latter, but I don't, I, you know, I, it's, there's a message here that is here for us as well. It may not be give everything up to the poor, although we should remember the poor, certainly. But I think it has more to do with where we put our faith where is our trust? Where is our security? So we go from the young man leaving dis- dis- dismayed to the, this reaction by the disciples, which I think is just, just priceless. By the way, just to, actually before I move on, you know, the, Jesus looked at the young man. I just want to underline that. If you have your own Bible, underline that. The other part where you would underline that is when Jesus looked at the widow in Nain in the Gospel of Luke, N-A-I-N, Nain. He looks at her. She had just lost her son. She didn't, doesn't have any other family. She see, he sees the procession of people weeping and grieving. The expression is he put his gaze on her. I mean, look, look at those passages of Scripture with trembling at the love, the love that Jesus, I think that this is completely sincere and honest. He looked at the young man, loved him, and that's an invitation then to go and follow Jesus. The young man could have been a disciple. The, the text goes on, though. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples, first of all, were amazed at his words. The word there that's used could mean shocked, like you're slapped in the face. Whoa, there's cold water being thrown on you. They're shocked at what he said. Rich man, difficult, enter heaven, what? And then, the, 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 so the disciples were amazed there, but then Jesus goes on. Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich person to enter the kingdom of God. So we go from being shocked 
to this reaction, and they were exceedingly astonished. I like the English word flummoxed, because that to me is this, this huge reaction. You can't, you know, the words can't even contain it. What, what, but if you, but you, what's it, you just can't, you know, it, it, it's that kind of reaction. Then who could be saved, Jesus? Who can be saved? In their minds, they're probably thinking, okay, rich man, you have all this comfort and security from the Lord. It's going to be easy for you. Or riches are a blessing from the Lord. That means that you're doing things right in your life. But that thinking, if that's what it was, needed to be adjusted. You cannot depend on anything to get you into heaven. If you're going to get to heaven by simply succeeding in this life, then you're going to be like a camel trying to get through the eye of a needle. It can't happen. Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Jesus is not speaking against being rich. It was people with means who provided for his ministry, who provided the first homes for Paul and the, and the Christians to meet in their homes. Without rich people, we wouldn't have the church. It was a good thing. And they used what they had to provide for the means of the church. Jesus' lessons to the disciples are, can you keep God as a priority? What do you put your faith in? What do you put your trust in? St. Paul wrote that he could be content in all circumstances, and that's astounding when you think of shipwrecks, being sick, being beaten half to death, and also having every need provided for, all of it. He's content in all circumstances, whether there's abundance to share or you're watching every penny, contentment. Contentment comes from where? It comes from trusting. Trusting that the Lord will provide and take care of you. So then in the next verse, verse 28, Peter's got to chime in here, right? Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. You know, this, Jesus asked this rich man to do what the other disciples had already done. Leave everything, follow me. Of course, Peter's got to say, okay, Lord, we did that. Here's the question behind the question. Or the, the behind the statement, rather. We left everything to follow you. That means we can get to heaven, right? Going back to the young man's question. That means we can inherit heaven. Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brothers, sisters and mothers, children and lands with persecutions. That's an odd thing to put right at that point in that text, one would think. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last. And the last first. So again, where do we put our trust? Because of human nature. Because of our nature. Because we need to earn things. Because we need to work at things. 
This is the hardest, I think the most difficult spiritual lesson to learn right here at the crossroads between what is first in our life, what is last in our life, where are our priorities, where is our trust. It's so hard to put your trust in something that can't be seen. It's so hard to put your priority in things that that you, you don't have right in front of you. And yet, where is God's priority with us? That's where it is. We have it in our gospel lesson today. God so loved the world. Look at the way Jesus set his gaze on this young man. He has his salvation in view. He has his gaze upon you and upon me. His love has been sent from heaven down to us. Because it does not matter. How do you inherit the kingdom of heaven? We can, we can give up everything. Sure. But is that going to get us into heaven? Is that where we place our trust? It has, it has nothing to do with our efforts. It has nothing to do with what we sacrifice. It has everything to do with one sacrifice. It has everything to do with one man who died a criminal's death for our sake, who lost everything in this world so that everything could be given to you and to me. And those of us who have been changed by the blood of our Savior now As Jesus said, we have a much larger family to tend to. I take those words in a spiritual sense. We may not have all kinds of blood relation, but here we are bonded by the blood of Jesus Christ. We didn't earn it, but that's what brings us here together. Our lands are much larger than the land that we own. Ask St. Paul, who had his land was wherever the Lord sent him to do the Lord's work. That's where... Wherever he was, that's where his home was. (laughs) Away, Away in the body, at home with the Lord, he said. Jesus says we will be granted a, a larger family, larger lands, and that's why that's next to the word persecutions, because it's related to our faith. And everything that we gain in this world, yeah, it could be taken away, but the things that are given through Jesus Christ the family bonded by his blood, the the land that's bonded to his work, that will never be taken away. That's an inheritance, as the young man asked. That's our inheritance that we have in Jesus Christ. The first is the last, the last is the first. When people say, well, this is what life is all about, most of the time those things are the last things, the last priorities, not the first things. The first things are the things that last for eternity. The first things are bounded to the cross. Very famously, the Beatles, who are the group of people, I think, that had a lot of wealth, money, and power, and yet they wrote the song at the height of their popularity, Can't Buy Me Love. Can't Buy Me Love. Kind of ironic when you think of the influence that they had, but I'd like, to, I'd like to think that maybe they, they pause to remember that that's not what it's all about. There are these intangibles in life that make you wealthy. A million miles from a million dollars, but you can never spend his wealth. In one song that's popular today. It, those, those, that, 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 that love, I think you could take that song and then multiply it by a million when you talk about the love that is shown to us on the cross, those of us who only have one possession, which is Jesus Christ, those of, those, those of us who have one thing, which is his love, 
We don't have to follow the seven habits of highly successful people. We need one habit. We need one habit, which is to kneel down at the cross, to, to, to give everything to Christ at the cross, to set him above all things, as Martin Luther writes as the explanation of the first commandment, to fear, love, and trust in God above all things. I think that's what all these teachings come down to. Fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Of course, you know what? We want to do that every day. And by the time that we do that for a lifetime, maybe we'll have figured it out. How to fear, love, and trust in the Lord above all things. And you know what? It's impossible. We will keep coming back to our sinful ways. We'll keep coming back to our selfishness and what makes us comfortable in this life. We'll keep considering the last things first. It's impossible for us to do. But as this word of Jesus reminds us, with man it is impossible, but with God, all things, all things are possible at the cross of Jesus Christ. In his name, amen. Now may the peace that passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds forever on Christ Jesus.